is uh, putting this apostle to death. So he's the second martyr. And what's interesting, Stephen, the first martyr, was not an apostle. He was a deacon, Deacon Stephen. But here we have an apostle. He, so James, the brother of John, not the brother of Jesus, but the brother of John, was put to death with the sword, and this was a direct result of Herod's wishes. Now remember, when the persecution started, the apostles were basically left alone. Remember, Saul was the one who was uh, on his way to Damascus. <laughs> he's, he's going after the Christians in Damascus. He's got uh, papers that say he can arrest them he can bring them bound and um, so he's he's going beyond Jerusalem remember it said the apostles specifically stayed in Jerusalem so basically at that time they were they were not harmed there was not they were not targeted as uh, people who were dangerous uh, so to speak to society but here there's a shift and we need, to, we need to recognize that shift. Herod is going after the apostles. James, specifically, he's already put to death with a sword, but that's not the end of what Herod wants to do. So, verse 3, when he saw that it pleased the Jews. So the Jews, they're happy about this. The Jews, you see that... Uh, you know, it starts with the Jewish authorities, and it start, it's the religious Jews. It's the religious elite. It's the Sanhedrin people, the officials, you know, the well-educated uh, religious Jews. The Pharisees, you got Pharisees, you got Sadducees. Pharisees were the conservative uh, element of Judaism. They honored the word of God. They believed in miracles. They were looking for a savior. They missed him, by and large. Uh, but they were, they were looking. They were, that was in their theology. The Sadducees were the, the religious liberals of the day. Now, interesting, we didn't mention this this past Lord's Day, but I should have. You know, we were talking about Annas uh, when, uh, when Jesus was betrayed and they bound him and remember John in John 18 says they took him first to Annas who was not the official high priest there's only one high priest every year but Annas had been a high priest and he was it was kind of a family thing and his grandson Caiaphas was high priest here's what I'm getting at who were the chief priests where would they fit between the Pharisees and the Sadducees they were part of the Sadducee element. And it's kind of, it kind of it's surprising because I think if we were to guess, we'd say, well, those chief priests, they were, they were always you know, involved in sacrifices and all of this, but they were part of the Sadducees. They, were, they did not believe in the word of God. They did not believe in miracles. They did not believe in angels. And they really weren't looking for a savior. You know what they were looking for? Uh, they were the ones that uh, were really happy about making the temple a marketplace. They were living for the next buck. That's what they were living for. So 
I wanted to make that make that clear and just kind of just bring that out. Uh, that's the religious backdrop of the time. So James. Put to death with the sword. And when he, and the he there is Herod, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, they're all happy about this, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. So you got James, John's brother, and then you've got uh, Peter, and both of these are powerful apostles. These are, these are not those, you know, you, you name these first. And uh, he's going after Peter. And so he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover, after the religious celebration is over, to bring him out before the people. So these four squads of soldiers, so it'll unfold here in a little bit, but there, there, was, a, there was a soldier on Peter's right and left, and he was chained. To, they were chained to each other. And then there were two soldiers at the, at the door, at the gate of the prison. So there's your four. And what does, he, what does he tell us? There were four of these squads. So... The idea is they would be on duty for three hours and then another squad would come in. The Romans didn't want them falling asleep. They wanted them to be alert so they would rotate these squads. That's what's taking place. So, I mean, maximum security, right? A Roman soldier here, he's chained. A Roman soldier here, he's chained. And there's two at the door. Okay. He's not going anywhere. These Roman soldiers uh, took their job very seriously. Um, there, there he is. So Peter was kept in prison. There it is in verse 5. He was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. Now that's, that's significant. You know, Jesus said at one point, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Peter tells us later on in his writing that we are a spiritual house. And we're being built, like, and we're being placed uh, together as, he says, living stones. And we are to be about the uh, activity of prayer and so we find that Peter was kept in the prison but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God so even without this strong apostle and his leadership the church is meeting and the church is praying uh, prayer should be it should be the lifeblood of the church the prayer the Word of God the prayer the Word of God they go together um, and we don't, you know, we never want to be the people who uh, discard time set aside for prayer. We want to make time for prayer privately and then corporately as a church body. Um, 
So the prayer was being made fervently by the church to God. I wonder what that looked like. He's going to tell us a little bit about it. But uh, I wonder that night, you know, somebody says, well, I have a request. I don't know if you all know this or have heard, but Peter's been arrested by Herod. And you wonder if they took their dry erase marker and just wrote it on the board. We're praying for Peter. Uh, you know, we pray for Peter, you know, we're praying for Peter. He's arrested. He's been arrested. Well, we know what happened to James. And, and that's something we really, we as believers need to understand. That we pray and God hears our prayers, but he has his plans. And the fact of, of the matter is that James, James died at the hand of Herod and we'll see what happens to Peter but it's not the same it's not the same sometimes we don't make room in our in our faith and our understanding for both of those things God's God whether J James is put to death with a sword or not or whether Peter is released from jail or not God is God and we pray and we find out God moves. But when he was, <laughs> when God had started to move, the church had no idea he had moved. In fact, Peter's standing outside the door, and they still can't believe God moved the way he moved. I wonder what they were praying that night. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, what were they praying? God strengthen Peter, give him uh, uh, wisdom, <laughs> give him uh, courage uh, to face death. I don't know what they were praying, but they were praying, and God was hearing, and then God's moving. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, and you got enough, Peter knew James, what happened to James. He, he, and he is, I'm sure he's thinking, I'm next here. Right there it is. Peter, I love this. Do you see the peace of Jesus on Peter right there? Herod's about to bring him forward, and Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. So it's a, I think there is a testimony there of the peace that passes understanding even when your life may very well be on the line and you might not have long to live, but there's Peter sleeping. And we know that, that, I don't know that that's his personality to be sleeping at this time. But there he is. What a testimony. And he's sleeping between the two soldiers, bound with two chains. The guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold. So the Lord's going to start moving. Peter's not moving, he's sleeping. And behold, that angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. So what it says. You really believe that? I really believe that. That's a testimony of Luke, the writer, and the, the testimony of this uh, apostle. Get up quickly, his chains fell off his hands. Now, that word there, and he struck Peter's side, that word is going to come up again in this text. 
and I want you to just, when it comes up, I want you to think who got the worst smite. Was it Peter or later on? We'll get there. So Peter was smitten in his side. That's, that word struck is strong. I mean, that angel wanted him up. He was not, you know, this is not just, uh, you know, everyday business. This is get up. He struck Peter's side. He woke him up. He said, get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, and it's funny right here, the angel's just giving him specific instructions. It's like do this and then do this and then do this. Listen to this. He says, gird yourself and bind on or put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. It's, like, it's almost like he's talking to a child. You know, this would... Now, the chains have fallen off. You're awake now, and the chains are gone. Um, now, this is what you do. You're going to follow this plan step by step. And that's what he did. The Bible says, and he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. So he has, he's just really clueless as to what exactly is going on. He thinks he's seeing a vision, but this is really happening. When they had passed the first and second guard, now that's, that's what I want to see. <laughs> I want to see how that looked, you know. What did they, they passed the first and second guard. So how are you all this evening? Or do you just wave? Or do you, what do you do? Just walk out the door, I guess. I don't know. But they walked past the first and second guard. And they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened uh, for them by itself. Now, this prison, they think the uh, Antonia prison, which would have been uh, northwest of, uh, in the city of God. And then verse 12 gives us a better view of that. This is actually at the house of Mary. She's the mother of John Mark, and we find many were gathered together and were praying. So the church, uh, this company of believers, were gathered at her house, and that's where they were together, and that's where they were praying for Peter. That's interesting. So this, um, this house had to be, you know, pretty spacious. To host that many, there were many gathered there, and they're praying. And when he knocked on, knocked at the door of the gate, so he's knocking at the door. There's Peter. He's knocking. A servant girl named Rhoda. Rhoda means rose or rosebud. So I don't know what they called her. Rose, rosebud. There's Rhoda. She's a servant girl. And she came to answer. Uh, when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate. Now, you know, God can open an iron gate. He can let that iron gate open by itself. Uh, it was going to take Rhoda, it looks like, to open this door for Peter. Uh, she recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, and isn't this just like a Christian? Yeah. We're laughing with Rhoda right now. She did not open the gate, but ran in. You can just sense her exuberance 
she ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. Now that church had been praying. Those are the people who had been praying. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. These prayer warriors for Peter turned to Rhoda and told her, what are we, what are we doing? Why, why, why did we allow, why was Rhoda, why does she have this job? She is out of her mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. Now, we have that in one verse, but it sounds like a pretty good argument going back and forth between Rhoda and the, the rest of the church, and uh, they're denying, no, they're, it must be Peter's angel, um, and they're, so there's some back and forth there, and Peter the whole time, you know, it's, I wonder if the knocks got louder, you know, let me, let me in. Um, Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door, they saw him and <laughs> were amazed. It reminds me of that verse in Ephesians 3, that, that our God is able to do above and beyond what we ask or think. And, and that's just, that's the nature of prayer. We should, we should understand that. We pray, and we use the words we know, and, and hopefully... Most of those words are words of scripture or words that reflect what's in the scriptures. And uh, we leave this with God, but so often he, you know, he, he can go far beyond what we ask or think. And that's evidently what happened here. They saw him and were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison, and he said, report these things to James and the brethren. So that would be James. Looking for that verse there. Or Jacob and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. Verse 18. Now when they came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. I mean, he had been chained to them. He had been behind locked doors and guards. And when Herod had searched for him and had not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away to execution. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. So Peter's long gone at this point, and it looks like these guards responsible, being held responsible and accountable to Herod, are put to death. So the Lord does what the Lord does. He's over the building of the church, and it wasn't Peter's time. But it would, that time would come for him. Verse 20, now he's very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Who was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon? This is Herod. Remember, there's a famine in the land. And with one accord they came to him, these people from Tyre and Sidon. And having won over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace because their country was fed by the king's country. There's a problem with food here. 
And Herod is the one who can take charge and solve the problem. So on an appointed day, Herod, this is verse 21, having put on his royal apparel, took his seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. So he's uh, speaking out. The people keep crying out, the voice of a God and not of a man. So they're lifting him up. They're putting him, putting Herod on a pedestal. And immediately, an angel of the Lord, there's another angel. What did the angel do? Struck him. Same word, but Herod got what I would call a smitier smite than Peter got. The angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. I don't know how many times we can say it, but God's in charge. He really is in charge. He is sovereign God. But the word of the Lord, and here's the 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 general summary statement that Luke is so good about just bringing. But the word of the Lord, in spite of all of this, the death of James and Herod, his power, and then not. He's eaten by worms. He dies. But the, but the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their mission, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. And then the beginning there in chapter 13 will be the first missionary journey. Peter won't pop up again. I think it's Acts 15, where we'll see and hear from Peter again. Father in heaven, uh, I pray that uh, you would uh, encourage us through this word uh, to be more convinced of your, your sovereignty and your sovereign choice to be involved in our lives. And Lord, that we would be steadfast in prayer, uh, privately and corporately, and that we would have the sense, the spiritual sense, uh, to know that when we pray, you hear. And so often when we pray, you're moving and we're not aware of it, just like the church here in this chapter. Um, and then, Lord, fuel our faith by your word that we would be steadfast in this uh, occupation of prayer. Uh, let us, God, be a people of prayer. And we want to tell you before we leave tonight that we, we love you. We thank you for your attention in our lives. We thank you for your word. We thank you for spiritual understanding. And we pray for growth uh, in these areas. We pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen.